0: what's going on guys philosopher here and welcome back to fgc philosophy this is where we level up inside and outside the virtual arena by talking about topics that i think are important are going to help us improve whether it be in video games or in real life uh today's topic is going to be mostly gaming related mostly fighting game related which is really really awesome before that i'll give you guys some updates but the main two topics are going to be uh one Updates from Project L. If you don't know what that is, that's Riot's new fighting game. Riot, the creators of League of Legends and Valorant. Uh, And TFT, uh, Teamfight Tactics. Really great developer uh they're huge they're huge in the world of esports specifically so i'll be talking about that i'm actually going to be doing a reaction or whatever you want to call it, a commentary on some videos that were released uh, and i'll have those sound clips from those videos from those uh, live streams that i actually did uh, so i stream over on my twitch twitch.tv philosopher uh, i've been streaming a lot more since i've had a little bit more downtime with the esports this week uh, trying to do as much as possible in terms of making that content while i can uh, but nonetheless The other video is going to be about Brian F, who is a well-known Street Fighter V content creator and competitor. Uh, He's also been playing other fighting games like DNF Duel, which is pretty usual for a lot of content creating fighting game players. Uh, But he did a really good video on frame data, and I'm not going to break down too much of what it is because he does a good job of it in the actual video. Again, I'll have the audio clips from the live stream. And please feel free to share your thoughts on those two videos. I'm really excited. Uh, The League of Legends one is very short, unfortunately, or the Project L one is very short, I should say, uh, which is unfortunate, but they talk about some really, really important topics that are incredibly important. I'll probably be expanding on that with Mega Maxar in the future uh, on another episode, but for right now, I just wanted to update people on what's going on in that. Now, in terms of my personal updates and career updates, I'll talk about that a little bit. First, work is... Up and down, really. it's really hard to explain, and I don't want to talk about too much until things are official, but uh, I can say I did one of the summer camps, I believe I posted a a video about that, or or a podcast episode about that. I thought I uploaded a video, but I'm honestly not sure, I've been kind of all over the place, been working on a lot of things at home, and working on things in a career, Uh, but to stay on topic with my career stuff... uh, Hopefully, big things are happening at Western. They're taking longer than I would have liked, which is going to make things a little bit more difficult in the future, Uh, but I'm hoping that the president of the university makes the right decisions, and uh, until things are official, I won't say too much on the podcast, but once they are, then I can talk a little bit more about it, and I'm I'm really excited. Uh, But I've been doing a lot of tours, working on presentations, uh, talking to kids and some of the uh, staff as well from the Kalamazoo Parks and Rec community. Uh, people who've been doing summer camps for middle school students. So I've been on stage uh, talking, working on my audio equipment, working on my presentation, working on my cadence, uh, a lot of that stuff. And I find, this is kind of a small aside, but I I find that I enjoy using a, a lavalier mic, lav mic instead of a hand mic. I like to talk with my hands and I feel like my posture is more confident when I can move both my hands. Even right now, even though I don't have a camera turned on right now, I'm still talking with my hands. That's just how I work sometimes when I get excited or passionate about a topic uh so as such i've been really working on that if you follow me on twitter you've seen some of the pictures i've been posting and uh it's pretty simple stuff i I talk about career opportunities in esports what we're doing at western michigan uh answering any questions it's really fun to interact with the students i get to see uh, how many of them actually know what esports is how many of them actually follow esports how many of them are gamers uh, and seeing how they interact with playing pc games and what they actually go to play and it's just been very fascinating uh, not only from the esports point of view but just from a child development point of view uh, i am very much passionate and curious about that topic, especially since now I have a son. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I want to talk about it right now, but I will say that I am worried about the attention span of future generations. That's all I'll say for right now. Uh, I would love to have a psychologist on the podcast uh, or a psychiatrist, either one, Uh, someone who knows a lot about psychology, uh, child development specifically. I would love to have that conversation in the future. If you know anyone, shoot them my way. It doesn't even have to be esports related. I just want to know a little bit more about child development uh, in psychology, especially with the future generation and their attention spans. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I I was bad because I had ADD, but I feel like a lot of kids around my age could focus on things for a prolonged period of time, whereas these kids could not. And it could be because there's there's gaming around. It could be because I'm in a very exciting environment. So I I don't know. And I'd love to hear that uh, outside of, you know, working with video games and working with these students. Now, uh, outside of that, I've been working at home doing a lot of uh, you know home stuff. I've actually been working on um, like woodworking and refurbishing old furniture. That has been very therapeutic, and uh, it sounds like a very mundane thing. And I wish I had a, like recorded a lot of it. I have the equipment to do it. Uh, I just haven't been. I have I've been too lazy to record myself making these videos. I've got pictures and a couple of short videos on on some of them that I might dub over. But I just haven't pulled the trigger on making content for anything other than like my podcast and gaming related, Uh, which is unfortunate. I really, really, with the way that the economy is going nowadays, I'm really moving towards making more content and uh, working more on passive income. I I love the one of the silver linings of this pandemic is I've learned that I love being a stay at home dad, a work at home dad. And I really want to continue that trend. And uh, I like my current jobs. Uh, But one of them I have to drive basically two hours a day just to work, you know, a little bit and the pay is almost not working. I love what I do, I love working with those students, but it's hard to justify being on the road so much when I'm not getting paid as much as i would like to get paid Uh, so there's 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 downsides to what i do even though i love what i do uh, and i'd like to do more of it remotely and start making more passive income so that's something that i've been really thinking about ruminating about uh, considering making some multiple youtube channels on different topics i just really need to get my process down from creating and editing and uploading videos and and content in general Uh, because if you haven't noticed i haven't uploaded a, a podcast in like two or three weeks Uh, Just because I've been sort of stressed out about my my career situation and mainly focusing on home and family stuff. So it's something that, it's been on my mind, but I haven't been actively working on it in terms of like creating. I've been recording a few things, but then my hard drive died. Uh, It's been kind of crazy. But nonetheless, uh, overall life is good right now. I can't really complain. My financial situation rocky but overall you know between me and my wife combined income uh we're doing just fine we're living a very cushy life compared to things that i've seen in the past compared to my past lifestyles uh we're living very well uh so I, it's very much first world problems and stresses and those are things that i'm trying to overcome uh and i think i've done very well i've been more motivated i've had more energy i've been less depressed Uh, So it's a combination of multiple different things, trying to get more active, been doing a lot of yard work, being outside almost every single day. I'll go outside, either work on some refurbishing furniture, yard work, uh, just kind of exercising and stretching or just looking outside and pondering and thinking, letting my mind just be a little bit more uh, free. I have... It's hard to explain this if you don't have ADD or an attention span issue, but it's really easy to not recognize that you have an attention span issue or that, like, your um, attention span episodes are happening. And I think with combined stress and work and sleep schedules and so many other things, uh, my attention span sometimes isn't as good as I would like it to be, and that bleeds into my work ethic, right? Uh, It's... Something that I really want to dig into more, but what I'll say for right now is I've been slowly over time recognizing that uh, my inability to focus on one thing has been affecting my motivation, which it makes it feel like I'm not motivated to do things, but it's actually been sometimes it's been the fact that it's hard to focus on something for a long period of time. And it almost feels like like pain, right? It's not physical pain. It's like mental pain. It's discomfort, right? And I have allowed myself for many a times to not be uncomfortable. And I will say after today, I did a lot of editing on some other content. I'm going to be uploading some YouTube videos. I already uploaded one. I have another one almost ready to go. It's basically ready to go. I just got to export it and upload it and make a thumbnail for it. Uh, And during that process, I got distracted multiple times and I was like, okay, I know I feel like I think I'm being productive while, you know, looking at a YouTube video or talking to a friend or something like that on an instant messenger, but am I really being productive? Like, could I get this done faster if I wasn't constantly distracting myself? And so I had to set aside all the distractions and just focus on what I was doing. And in the moment, it wasn't really bad. And I, I've known, I've recognized this over the course of my life, but it's still just, uh, maybe it is, Something from ADD, maybe it's just, you know, weak attention span from conditioning. I I don't know for sure. I'm not an expert in that field. I can only talk about my personal experience and my observations. Uh, And for me, it it feels like the stress of actually doing something is way worse than actually doing the thing. Once I actually do it, it's not that bad. Uh, And I've revisited this concept multiple times, but it's like I have to be reminded of it. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally to me to be focused i have to remind myself to be focused it's something i have to um, will myself to do and taking care of my body my mind and getting healthier i think it's been easier to recognize and stop that Uh, and so that's been a really uh, encouraging state of affairs Uh, i don't know it's been really encouraging that's all i can say about that so it's it's still hard it's still a struggle for me but i'm more motivated and there's so many things that i feel like are tedious like writing documents and uh, i'm starting to create some flowcharts for some of my companies to sort of illustrate what all i do and what all processes need to be uh done in any sort of kind of event whether it be an esports event uh certain kinds of esports event lan online you know commentary no commentary like what are we doing versus a, a tour or open play I like to create processes for them, and I think I like to visualize them, but sometimes I just hate to sit down and just create it. I'll, I'll do it in my head all day, but then once I have to actually put it down and then uh, get to the point to where it's t- the quality that I want it to be, the lazy perfectionist kind of kicks in, and I'm like, ah, it's not as good as I want it to be, and yada, yada, yada. I start getting distracted, and uh, I've been pushing that away a little bit. Not, not suppressing it, but strengthening that attention span muscle, that patience muscle a little bit more. Uh, I see it in my son. I see it in a lot of the students that are very, very impatient. And, uh, you know, I I recognize it in myself. And I have to make sure that I'm being the example uh, for a lot of these kids. And I don't want to get into it again too much right now with the attention span stuff and and younger kids. But uh, it's just something that seeing so much of it has made me realize how distracted I am, right? Uh, On my own, I've been doing it, but also just seeing kids do it. And them being distracted and not be able to focus on things for a too long period of time. uh, It's like, oh, man, what am I doing? I used to be way more focused. Uh, Let me get on that. I want to make more money. I want to make sure that my family, you know, we can travel. We can do things. You know, we've been going to the beach and doing a lot more family events. And I want to do more of that. I want to travel more. I want to have more free time and not be stressed about uh, if I should be focusing more on my work versus having family time. Because sometimes I'm sacrificing family time to make sure that I'm, I'm bringing in some money. Uh, and, and I would like to be able to do what I love to do without being stressed out about the income. Uh, so that's that's where I am right now. Overall, I'm in a very good situation, and I, I practice thankfulness every day uh, with my son, and sometimes with my wife as well. We meditate every night, just about, unless he's being too unruly. Uh, so I'm teaching my son how to be patient. You know, we set a timer for one minute now, and we try to see how long he can go with just breathing and having his eyes closed. And I do the same thing. And I try as much as possible to just focus on my own meditation while he does his thing, uh, and I just let him do his own. And he kind of, on average, lasts about 50 seconds, which uh, is not bad to sit still with your eyes closed, breathing before you just forget to go do it. So it's a continual practice. I'll update you guys because I've been really been, I've really been enjoying this practice thus far. Uh, I want to continue to do it, and I want to see if I can get you know maybe to a minute and a half, two minutes, and then hopefully in the future, even if he is diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, he'll have a practice in place that doesn't require medication, right? Uh, Medication and meditation, I think. um, I have a different viewpoint now on medication on ADD than when I was younger, but I also think it is important to learn to rely on your own abilities, uh, your own mental fortitude when possible. Everyone's different. I'm not saying everyone has to follow the same uh process as me but that's what i personally believe and so i'm going to instill that in my son so that he is more self-sufficient nonetheless i have rambled on long enough let's just get into this episode Uh, i am just going to go ahead and play the two videos i might have a little bit of commentary between them just talking about the first topic and then leading into the second one but thank you guys so much and i hope you enjoy the show sorry for the wait you guys have been awesome and again enjoy the show peace I have two fighting game topics I want to talk about today. Um, I have a really good video from uh, Brian F that I think is important. And then I also just want to look at the Riot updates for Project L. Really short, really short, but I just wanted to talk about it. So I'm just going to watch the video with you guys uh, and we'll just digest a little bit of it for the uh brian f1 that, one, that one's a little bit longer so i'll break that one down first because uh i really want to talk about that one before my brain is completely fried completely fried so i'll do that first and then we'll break down the short video from riot all right so let's go ahead and move over to the video all right so this is a video called don't be afraid of frame data uh i feel like a lot of people need to watch this video and talk about it i haven't looked at the comments so maybe i'll check down the comments down below uh, i don't tend to engage in comments nowadays too often uh, at least for serious conversations. But uh, I really like this video, uh, I wanna break it down. I probably won't stop at too many points just to get to the video, but uh, hopefully a lot of
1: this makes sense. What's up YouTube, it's been a while. What's up YouTube, it's been a while. Listen, now that we're back to making YouTube content, I figured we'd talk a little bit about shelves. You see that <laughs> shelf back here? Do you, do you like that shelf? How would you describe this shelf to me? I can ask the Twitch chat, how would you describe this shelf? blurry say you wanted to build a similar shelf for yourself what information would you need there is some wood there there's some metal it's kind of shaped (laughs) yay high and yay wide you know what could really help it's actually getting the dimensions of this shelf i could actually sit here and measure this shelf using this uh this handy dandy ruler here and actually give you the exact dimensions of this shelf behind me and you could either purchase or recreate the shelf yourself to a very high degree of precision. I can give you measurements in a numerical format that can help describe the physical properties of this shelf. But you know what? Back in the day, people used to not use measurements like that. They used to just build shelves by feel. <laughs> Don't you guys harken back to the days where you would just kind of look at a shelf and be like, yeah, it's kind of shelf-like, and you would just make it without any numbers, any nerds talking to you about right angles and, and load distribution, and you would just make things by feel. That's the good old days. That's the time that I remember that shelves were great. Well, if you haven't caught on by now, I'm doing a metaphor here. This is a fighting game <laughs> channel, yeah, and we're talking about fighting games. And of course, I'm basing this discussion here off of some recent events on Twitter, but I'm gonna skip to the present day and not go down the whole path of where this began. But I wanted to talk about frame data and talk about how frame data does not mean fighting game strategy. Just like measurements describe the physical properties of a shelf frame data describes the properties of a move so i had this tweet recently people really confuse frame data with strategy frame data is just the numerical representation of a move's properties that's it do Mm -hmm. what you will with or without that information your strategies can reference frame data or not up to you you know a lot of people when they talk about frame data it kind of starts to unveil their true understanding about what frame data is because you hear discussions where people say phrases which kind of make no sense. I hear things like, you know, I preferred fighting games before they put frame data in the games. Frame data is what ruins fighting games. And I've heard this before and I
0: had a very similar reaction to it. I've watched this once already because I thought it was really good. (laughs) But... I I've heard the same thing from other people, and I I I don't even know how to engage in a conversation with people who say stuff like that because it's like there's multiple layers of you not understanding something properly, uh, or you're really weird about people having more information. Like I, I did, I couldn't tell which one they were meaning or like what they were meaning, but it's just like, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. I I prefer having frame data in my games, and you. Like, it's it's hard to have a conversation with people sometimes because it it just it sounds very ignorant to me uh it's not in a derogatory term i just mean like it sounds like they don't know what they're talking about uh and they don't they want everyone else around them to not know this information and i've never understood that kind of logic at all
1: and to me that's just as silly as saying measurements ruined this shelf yeah exactly it doesn't exist it's not added to a game. It's just the representation of how moves work in a game. It's a measurement. It's literally a measurement. It's not a thing. It's just a way for us to describe the properties of moves within a game, right? People.
0: Yeah, so for those who don't know, I'm a former animator. I actually worked on some indie fighting games, so I studied games like Street Fighter and Smash Bros. to understand animation uh, with an already existing love of fighting games. Uh, This is before my competitive commentary career. So I get people, when I ask for frame data, sometimes I'm like, hey, what's the frames on this? And I I already know that it's not a guaranteed situation. Like The numbers, I've learned after playing multiple anime fighters that frame data, knowing what's negative on block, you can't treat that as if it's a law, right? If you play Street Fighter, that's less true because of how that game works but you can still space out your buttons or hit on later active frames so even that still is possible so knowing what something is on block is just a starting point of information uh and when i ask for frame data a lot of times people like they i guess they just want to help and remind me that hey like you can still get punished for this or like you can still get beat out or get a counter hit get counter hitted uh if you try to challenge this button yada 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 and it's like i okay i get that thank you i'm already knowledgeable in that area and it seems like people might not understand that like i just want to understand what the move how the move acts like when i I feel like when i learn about a move and learn about the frame data i can better visualize the whole entire picture that doesn't mean that ah i can do this on block it's like i gotta i gotta test it out i gotta figure out what i can do on block and then i'll just keep doing stuff until i figure out what my options are if i have any options uh so i think a lot of people um are eager to help in some ways but don't quite understand Like someone else's understanding on a topic
1: of how moves work in the game it's a measurement it's literally a measurement it's not a thing it's just a way for us to describe the properties of moves within a game right people start to act like games were adding frame data later on in a modern generation in order to what dictate how people play the game, or something along those lines. I don't know, it's hard for me to enter that in the headspace when people start saying these kind of terms. But what I really think is going on is people are talking about a culture around understanding frame data and using that to optimize their gameplay. It's a cultural shift. And I think this comes from the same mentality of like cultural conservatism versus progressivism. I know it's getting a little political, but even in our tiny little bubble of playing video games, there's culture for how you approach learning and playing games. And you-
0: I 100% agree with this point. Uh, this is something that I've seen in... Uh, I'll call them old heads. Now, when I say old head, I don't mean someone who is necessarily old. I either mean that they have been in the scene for a long time and or... Uh, they have a mindset of someone who's been in the scene of a, like a long time in terms of like their cultural viewpoints on how uh, to approach games. There's a lot of people who have this go to the arcade, get bodied, get good kind of mindset. And along with that, it's you just feel it out until you get it right. Uh, and they th- they act almost like that's the only way that a game can be played. Uh, and they just they they're really good at the game, but they have zero logic to be able to explain it. They just play the game. They've been playing in their old school, or they just pick up games and they learn them really quickly. Uh, or whatever it may be, but they just don't have any verbalizing of what they're actually doing. It's just like, oh, I, I did this thing, right? It, those kinds of people. And a lot of them tend to also have this mindset of like, you don't need all this extra stuff. You don't need all this information. I don't need to know what's plus on block, what's minus on block. And they they say stuff, but again, they don't know how to verbalize what they can do, so it's hard to say what their verbal knowledge of things actually is. They can articulate certain ideas, but when you start digging deeper, you'll find that they have their own set of vocabulary for things or how they use certain words. Uh, so that, there's like a, a line there of communication that sometimes will happen with people like that, especially with people who are more methodical or logical than trying to learn the game and trying to understand as much information as they can about the game. These two kinds of mindsets can kind of butt sometimes because the the person who learns by feel is incredibly vague about what they say and not really clear and don't know what questions to ask the logical player to figure out what they're actually asking or what they need to be learning or doing uh and the logical player just can't comprehend this really esoteric way of approaching the game when they're like there's a science to it how do i utilize like how do i uh learn what i need to learn and do what i need to do and how do i need to play this character Uh, That's a really extreme example. Usually people are a mixture of both those things, just more extreme on one side than the other. Uh, But just to be extreme, to give that illustration of different mindsets, you can kind of see, I'm sure, people that have that kind of personality, whether that be yourself or someone else in the community that you know. Let's move on.
1: You see that across all genres of games, right? In the modern realm, with a lot of information sharing and a lot of tools at our disposal and things like frame data available with resources online, These are tools that people use to help optimize their understanding of fighting games much faster than was previously available. The way things used to work before is people would just say things like, Oh, uh, this move is pretty fast. This move is pretty slow. This move has priority. If you block this move, then you have priority over the opponent. And what
0: I always hated this term because it like. Okay, I didn't hate the term. I hate how people use the term because a lot of people couldn't explain what that meant. And it always... As someone who had a degree in game development before I got into making fighting games, it always bothered me when people said it had priority but couldn't explain why that was. I'm like, I understand there's some sort of function happening in the game. Like, what is the function that's happening? What is the game telling... Like, what is being told to the game to do when A or B happens? Like, when two moves collide, why does that happen? Oh, it's either because it's a higher weight button and they're hitting on the same frame or they're counter hitting you because their button is faster or invincible or uh, doesn't interact. Like it has a disjoint or something like that. There's multiple different reasons why it could be happening. All of those reasons could be used under the veil of, hey, this has priority. It could be because it's faster and you just lost out. It could be because it's a higher weight button. It could be because the move has invincibility properties or it could just be because the character has a disjoint so there is nothing to hit there uh, but there is a hitbox there's no hurtbox but there's a hitbox those all are this move has priority you see what i'm saying like it's really ambiguous as to what something means there's a lot of room for interpretation as to what that means when a button has priority Uh, it it changes from time to time it can be used under so many different circumstances i think it's too broad uh, the way people tend to use it Um, but sometimes that's all the information people need so it works
1: basically happen is you would develop a whole bunch of set of superstitions in your head without any actual understanding of what was going on yes these were all superstitions there's a really good field in psychology where they study superstitions where groups will find means to success either like oh if i climb these stairs there will be bananas at the top right so every day you climb the stairs to find And what basically happened is you would develop a whole bunch of set of superstitions in your head without any actual understanding of what was going on. These were all superstitions. There's a really good field in psychology where they study superstitions where groups will find means to success. Either like, oh, if I, climb these stairs there will be bananas at the top right so every day you climb the stairs to find the bananas there you don't know that the reason the bananas are there is because the scientists put the bananas there every day at the (laughs) beginning of the experiment for the group of monkeys but eventually even if the scientist takes the bananas away the monkeys will still climb the stairs every single day because that's what you did to find success or on the inverse if you don't climb the stairs you get shocked so therefore every single day you climb the stairs or else you will be punished and that ritual will be set in stone even
0: What I was trying to say before I was muted was I'm pretty sure this is based on an actual study. The version that he's talking about may be different from what I have in my mind, but there have been some studies on monkeys or or apes. I think um, chimpanzees, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, they they put him in a cage and there are some things that happened. If I find it, I'll put a link to it, but I'm not going to get into all the finer details. But it's kind of fascinating, uh, but also not uh, super humane.
1: Even if the actual understanding of what's going on isn't there, if they remove the punishment, the ritual will persist. Not knowing data behind your actual actions creates rituals that people just follow blindly and they don't understand why. So now we have the actual hard data and science to help quickly break down how things are working in fighting games. And that also shifts how we discuss these things, how we we study the games, how we communicate. Before it was just some guy kind of telling you what could work and you would try things and you would figure things out very slowly. Now you have tools that you can actually say, oh, it's not priority is the reason I can move first. It's because this move does enough block stuns so that I recover faster and I'm left relatively plus, plus two on block. I can move two frames sooner than the opponent. I now have an exact understanding of what this does on block or the inverse. Oh, I'm punishable by these certain moves on block because i'm left in recovery longer than the opponent and i'm negative nine on block so they can use a nine frame mover faster to punish me when you start understanding how the properties of these moves work together and you can much more quickly optimize a game i think people just miss the time where games were slow to figure out yeah and i don't i definitely don't miss that <laughs> 100 i think the fact that we have these 100 really helps us understand games and and test out strategies and learn how to play the game at a much faster rate in a way that's much more enjoyable if i want to understand what's going on in a game i can just look at the frame data try it out in training mode compare validate results and i can figure games out much faster however it does not tell me how to play the game frame data
0: also i want to add on to this i mentioned it earlier but there is a caveat of like yes this is negative seven on block But if they're spaced out properly, uh, you also need to know how many active frames they have because if it hits on a later active frame, like two frames later, then it's actually negative five. So there's caveats like that to understand, but the more you, it it further proves the point of if you understand how the game mechanics work, uh, you have more information to work with. If you're the kind of person where that overwhelms you and you don't have to do that, that's fine. But uh, just don't hinder people like me who like having that information.
1: Frame data is not a strategy. I can go to fat online here, and I can see all the frame data for Ryu for any character I want to look up and figure out what's going on. But this does not tell me anything about how to play Ryu. I cannot memorize all these numbers and know anything about how to actually play Ryu. For example, you can see that standing light punch is plus two on block just by glancing at the numbers. If I tell you that information right now, do you know what to do in that situation? I mean, literally, I'm asking Chad, do you know, do you know what to do in that situation? You land standing light punch on block, it's plus two. Press a plus button you don't know i know what i would do because i could try things in training mode for example if standing line punch on block if they block it as my first button and i'm up close maybe i'm close enough to tick throw them after because i know throws are five frames the fastest button they can have is three frames my throw will land on their frame three of recovery and, and clash with their jab and throws will win so i can know that from the data yes But why do I know all that from the data? It's not because I just read the numbers, it's because I played the game enough to understand the properties of the game, to have enough experience to understand that lights can set up tick throw situations, to know when throws can beat other moves, and to know how the lights are often reliable tools for setting up tick throws. But this doesn't even tell me if I'm in fact left in throw range or not. This doesn't tell me anything about the spacing, anything about the hitbox, anything about when it's good to use, Like, that whole tick throw strategy is something that I figured out without the frame data. That's something that I understood by playing the game. I can validate it and see exactly what it beats. For example, if this was only plus one, I could say, oh, this tick throw is working, but if they have a three frame, they could interrupt me. That's what the frame data can validate for me. Yeah,
0: I I was going to touch on this, but I, I guess he already alluded to it. But you can look at the numbers and come up with theories that can be tested. So you can look at the number and, like, if you go back and look at the frame data, uh, standing light punch is plus two on block. Well, if you already know the fastest get button in the game is a three frame and you have a standing medium punch that's now subtracted by two, you could, if you're spaced properly, um, be able to press standing medium punch on the third frame, which even if they throw out their three frame button, it's going to have priority because mediums beat lights and it's going to clash on the same frame assuming that both people have like frame tight inputs. Uh, so that, that that's, that's the kind of thing that you can use with frame data. You can look at it, but you have to test it out and verify it, right? So you can come up with ideas and theories on how to do things, but it's not going to guarantee, it's not guaranteeing any kind of situation that you might have in your mind about, how the interactions after that button is pressed work
1: frame data is not a strategy it does not tell me what to do at any any moment however i will give some credence to people who say that frame data might have impacted the way people play because there are certain types of players i feel like in the modern era that play very rigid because they want everything to be very frame tight they might look at these numbers and go okay because i know about these strategies of frame traps and tick throws I want everything to be frame perfect that I do.
0: I would say that I went down this path for a little bit and somewhere in Street Fighter 5 when I really was getting, like, I wanted to know everything about the game. Uh, I think there was a small frame of time where I was doing that and um, playing a little bit too predictable, but also I saw other players that were doing that and... Uh, I have times where I'll just let my mind do whatever it's gonna do without any logic involved and I play a character that's very weird and Fong so I I was forced to be creative a lot of times when playing against other people to to win uh, It wasn't usually like creative like it wasn't always outplays in terms of like normal neutral but I utilize my character as much as I can in, in to my ability uh, So that that saying I went down that path and and I quickly realized that I can't just... Go by the numbers, and then when I got into Guilty Gear Strive, uh, by this point I already knew because I, I had already played other games like uh, BB Tag and and Blaze Blue and stuff like that, but not to a degree to where I would like be uh, above average in the game, right? Uh, in terms of the FGC average, not just across the board average. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I um I see that in other people as well. Like certain people, whenever I hear "Why would you do that?" it's not necessarily. In regards to frame data. But there are some people who are so rigid in their thinking. They think why would you do this in this situation. That's not the best thing to do. Well I did it because I didn't think you were going to expect it. Like what else do you want me to tell you. You know a lot of people. I hear that a lot. And not just about frame data. Just about how you're supposed to play the game. People get offended when you don't play the game. The way they think you're supposed to. Like that's crazy to me. You didn't do what I thought you were supposed to do in that situation. So I'm going to get mad. Because you didn't do that thing and you knew that I was gonna punish that thing potentially, it's like, what, what are you talking about when you say that kind of stuff? Like, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, just think for a couple more seconds before you ask that question. I did it because I thought it was gonna work. That's it.
1: I think it offers a much deeper understanding of the game and makes me appreciate fighting games much more. Having the frame data available helps me understand interactions in a much more satisfying way. So I don't feel like I'm just mashing or like pressing buttons and hoping and praying. I really do enjoy yep. having frame data in fighting games, and I hope future releases continue to include frame data in them. I thought it was wild when people were saying they don't want frame data in fighting games. I cannot fathom the off. me why you would want more information hidden from you. If, if the numbers scare you, close your eyes. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. I do not agree at all with the sentiment that we should not have frame data in fighting games. It's something that is incredibly useful, helps us all improve, and if you don't understand frame data, that's that's fine. Don't use it. You do not need frame data to be good at a fighting game at all. It's an option there for those who wanna utilize it. And, you know, just like units of measurements to measure a shelf, frame data is just there to measure your moves. Even if you don't look at the measurement, don't look at the frame data, it, it's still there. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to use it, but it will never go away. <laughs> it's just how fighting games are.
0: In terms of this video, frame data is not like it's not the end all be all it's just information that people can utilize and if you don't like it just don't memorize it you know don't don't hinder other people in the fgc from learning games faster i i got kids i got jobs i don't got time to be studying in the deep just learning all the stuff in the game give me the information and let me do what i want to do with the game like you go turn off the frame data information stop killing me give me more information you don't have to turn it on So this one is one that I'm excited about. I watched it once already, uh, but I just want to go through and dig through it this time, um, try to break down a couple of things that I noticed that we were talking about, or maybe certain uh, predictions. I-, I made some predictions before. Uh, none of them have been confirmed or denied yet, <laughs> um, but some of them have been alluded to. So we'll go through and watch this video as well. Oh, so excited. game's looking nice. maybe think they improved the art a little bit too.
2: Hey folks, Tom here, back with a quick update on Project Al, <laughs> its upcoming 2D Fighter. Last November, we dropped an update showing off some core game concepts and our rebooted art style. Honestly, showing off the game this early was a little scary. And we're grateful that so many of you are so excited about Project Al. God, that was so sick.
0: I think this is a great touch. Like just watching this, uh, it it gives me the Inception Spider Man vibes, right? Where you have people from the FGC, uh, kind of being promoted by Riot in a way. Like, so the FGC is getting a huge platform via Riot because you know not only fighting game players are watching this, Riot fans are watching this. People who play League of Legends and Valorant are watching this. Who probably don't play a lot of fighting games. Uh, so not only are they being introduced to fighting games via the Riot, uh, publishers and developers. But they're also getting to know some of the big crea- content creators in that scene as well, and I think that's a really uh, cool touch. Because okay, let me let me go back and show you this real quick. This is on Riot Games YouTube. This isn't on like Evo's YouTube. This isn't on uh, Tom Cannon's YouTube. This is on Riot Games, uh, and they are huge, whether you know it or not.
2: Your reactions and excitement gave us the reassurance. This is a
0: League of Legends fighting game, Project L. Yes. Oh, I've met this guy in person before. Uh, one yes! of the. Uh this update, uh, not we'll game about rumps. what's
2: been happening in the team over the past few months and what's coming next. I can't remember. Last time, I shared that we've honed in on our gameplay as an assist-based fighter with two mm. champs per team. We're finishing up our work on core mechanics now. I think it's sixty FPS this time. We moved on to building champions. Wait, hold on. Let me let's go back and look at this again. Grateful that so many of you are so excited. Assurance that we're headed. I don't know if this
0: is new gameplay or not, but it look like new gameplay yes! that I haven't seen before.
2: Yes. In this update i'll talk about what's been happening in the team over the past few months and what's coming next last time i shared that we've honed in on mm-hmm. our gameplay mm-hmm. as an otg fighter or ground with bounce two champs per team wait 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 wait! what our as an assist fighter with two champs per team was that a meteor did she just We're get otg jesus now. reset a lot of the team has moved on to building champions ...or building around game features like competitive play... I think that's Clockwork. I think
0: that's a pro player named Clockwork. He worked on Marvel Remember Infinite as well, I think. ...to
2: remove as many barriers as possible from you and Punish? You and Project L. We want you to be able to play no matter where you live, what your skill level is, or how much money you have to spend on a game. To that, I'm happy to confirm that Project Projectile will be, be free to play.
0: Free to free to play. And look, Multiverse just came out. It's still a case study. It's still really new, but that game is doing gangbusters right now and they have wbip so they have a lot of marketing behind them but riot fighting game for freeze i'm telling you this model is not going to work for every developer okay so it's not like this is the end-all be-all for every fighting game but this i have said several times that i think the project l league of legends fighting game is going to be huge for the fgc now whether that lasts for a long time or not is undecided but this game is is going to be so accessible to so many people. I don't know if it's going to be on console or not, uh, but if it is, it's probably going to be cross-platform. I don't think he talks about, the, uh, talks about that in this video. Uh, but I'm just saying, I've called this before. It's going to be a huge thing. Um, I, there's still some wondering about how we're going to do tournaments, because Riot does have certain licenses. Uh, and I'm going to be jumping all over that when I'm working at the arena in, uh, in Western Michigan University. So, like, uh, this, I've been following this because of my career wise. Like, I can utilize these and host tournaments and, like, do production at an esports arena so i really am following this game as well as multiverses because i'm already getting some ideas about how to do multiverses in the arena especially with a 2v2 tournament man man come just lost their minds no, this isn't capcom this is riot what are you talking about oh oh oh, oh! i see what you're saying that's like their reaction to it what are they trying to do to us <laughs> all right let's continue on
2: if you've played a Riot game before this probably won't come as a surprise nope Our team is made up of fighting veterans and folks who are passionate about serving the FGC. And we operate with one approach. If we wouldn't like it, we won't do it. When it comes to modernization, we promise to be respectful of both your time and your wallet. Also, the team has put together a blog post to give you a sneak peek on development of a new fighter in Project L. Alawi the Kraken- Ooh. Pieces. The spiritual leader of her people, Alawi <laughs> is a physical powerhouse who tests the strength of souls for her tentacle god. you right, Jared. Check out the post for more details on how we're approaching character development and how Alawi will oh. look and I'll have to check that
0: mind. out. I might break that down later. I want to get on Beyond for
2: me for now, but I'll be back later this year with one more update. Before I sign off, this weekend is Evo. To everyone heading out to the event, stay safe, good luck in the tournaments, and try not to drown in pools.
0: Alright, so in case you don't know who this guy is, this is Tom Cannon, or Tony Cannon? They're twins. He's one of the brothers that did a lot of things, but he he uh, is a co-founder of EVO, the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. He's also been hired by Riot to work on the game, and they also created GGPO, which is a netplay um, feature that you can add to your game that you're developing. So he's done a lot for the scene, and uh, he's a very reputable to- source, so I think... I have a lot of confidence in the partnership of, like, Riot and the Cannon Brothers and the FGC, Uh, and I, the things that I'm hoping for, one, I'm hoping they announce something at uh, Evo, because Evo is coming up this weekend, maybe not because this video did just drop, like, less than a week ago, and they're already, like, saying later on this year, so it might be uh, towards the holiday time, they might, like, drop a beta or something like that, I highly doubt that. But I feel like if they're going to do another announcement, it would be at Evo. Where there's a bunch of people watching fighting games. Or, wait, when's LCS Finals? They might do it during, like, a a Riot event, perhaps. They might announce something on an actual official Riot um, stream. Which would probably get more viewers. More than likely. Uh, So, they might... I, I don't think it's worth... Well... Okay, I'm trying to think about this, Uh, because if they announce something on like a Riot League of Legends or Valorant tournament uh, production, uh, they have more eyes on them in general. But if they advertise that they're going to make an announcement beforehand, then they get more FGC people to watch their uh, esports games. It's not going to be a high number. But it might, it might be worthwhile to just bring some new people because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fighting game people who start playing League of Legends uh, just because some of these characters are amazingly cool. Uh, and then they might also get into Valorant because they're like, okay, they make good quality games. Let me try. I like shooters too. Uh, let me try it out. I played CSGO. I didn't know about this game. I never really looked into it. I didn't play PC games who knows who knows um but it's exciting i am really looking forward to this game i did a podcast on this like a year or so ago probably a couple years ago before the pandemic geez the blip uh and i i'm hoping that this is 2v2 two players versus two players because uh team games just do better in terms of esports and production so i'm hoping that there may be some team function to the game uh and, and hopefully that's the main version i, I think that Fighting games aren't going to hit mainstream, which I do want to see because I want to uh, do more events in in the mainstream at the arena. Uh, So I'm hoping that fighting games become mainstream. It doesn't mean that grassroots goes anywhere as long as the developers are still fine with you or publishers are okay with you doing tournaments uh, and hosting tournaments. uh, I I don't think that's ever going to completely go away. So I don't know why people are so scared about the esportsification of fighting games when it's like you can just run your own event if you want to run your own event the way you want it to be. Like, let me have the professional thing so I can work in video games, you know? (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, I'm going to be doing more updates on this. I might check out that, uh, that article later on. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me again. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Of course, do me some huge favors by leaving a comment or liking or subscribing to this podcast. It would be a huge help, especially since I'm trying to move more towards this in the future. Uh, Let them know that this is something that you want. And then of course, let me know what I can do better. Uh, Give me feedback, give me topics, anything and everything I am welcome to. Thank you guys so much and I'll see you in the next show.